Welcome to the Gathering Church Podcast. We are so glad you're joining us today. For more info about the gathering, you can check out thegathering.online. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here's today's message. We're going to get to the message. Uh, we had the worship team intentionally only do three songs to start. They're going to come back up at the end, and, uh, and then we're going we're gonna to end with that, closing uh, with worship again today. Um, but we're starting, or I'm sorry, we are finishing, rather, our third week of our series on Back to the Basics. We've been revisiting some of the basic disciplines that are taught in the Bible. Um, the first week we looked at what Paul encouraged Timothy and the church in, in, uh, in Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3. He said, continue in what you have learned. That means we've never arrived in our learning, right? We always need to be striving to learn more and more. We, no one knows everything, okay? Strive to learn more. You, he said, you've been acquainted with the sacred writings which make you wise for salvation through Jesus. And then uh, he goes on to say, all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching and reproof and correction and training in righteousness. The word of God is is profitable for your life. Reading it regularly will give you a wealth of wisdom for all situations, all areas of your life. You know that? You, you can apply the word of God to your parenting, to how you work with people, to your job, to how you treat your employers and your employees, to how we live godly relationships, to how we balance life priorities, all of that and more is found in the written word of God. So it, it is the foundation of our faith. So how are we doing? Getting into the word of God regularly. Are we doing okay? We, we've been getting into it pretty frequently. Good. We're three weeks into the year. We've got less than 50 to go, okay? So let's, let's keep it going. I think it said that if you can have something be a habit for about two months, about 60 days, if you can make something regular, it, it'll latch on. Just like you, you don't skip a meal, I assume, most of the time, right? You, you remember when to do that. Um, I got an amen there. Um, you remember to brush your teeth before bed, right? I hope so. That's really disgusting if you don't. I need you to brush your teeth before bed. Make something a habit so that you continue to do it every single day. So we looked at the word of God, and then we looked at last week, we talked about fasting. Our favorite discipline to talk about, right? I had some people say, I was hungry the entire sermon just hearing you say that word fasting. That's what it does to us, right? Um, but whether we like it or not, there is a lot of spiritual or scriptural backing in the Old Testament and the New Testament of the power of fasting. Jesus modeled fasting in his life, and he's taught his disciples to fast in Matthew chapter 6 by saying, and when you fast. He didn't say if you fast. He was talking to all of his disciples, all those who followed Jesus, we as disciples of Jesus, when we fast. There's power to that. We looked at stories where people prayed and they fasted together for an evening in order to believe for victory. Jesus prepared uh, for testing and temptation by fasting. And I cannot encourage you enough. If, you're, if there's something that's a stumbling block in your life, something that's tripping you up, that is, is preventing you from victory, this might just be a discipline you need to cultivate in your life. Fasting. And I promise that today we are going to talk about something other than fasting. 
a spiritual discipline that you can do and eat pizza at the same time if you wanted to. Um, in fact, you may take part in this spiritual discipline before you eat a meal. I'm going to talk about prayer, right? Prayer is the art of communication with God. You talking to God and God talking to you. And I've been, I've been intentionally waiting to talk about this spiritual discipline last for a couple different reasons. Uh, first and foremost, because I wanted personally to do some more reading on the, t- on the topic of, fa- of prayer before I got into it. Uh, and secondly, because not that this is a more challenging discipline than reading the Bible or fasting, but it's a little harder to measure the results. Like for me, I, I can measure if I read my Bible. I've read a few chapters. I can check that off my to-do list. Have I skipped a few meals and instead been praying to God? Okay, I have fasted. I can check that off my to-do list. Prayer is a little bit more ambiguous. We, you know, we say a couple words out loud or in our head, and then we just hope that God heard us, right? It's like, God, did, did you receive that? Can you give me maybe like a confirmation number just to make sure I know where I am in the line here, an ETA? Like if there's a pizza tracker app, can you give us like a prayer tracker app just to let me know where we're at on the progress here? Prayer is a little bit more ambiguous. And and, and lastly, the reason that we're doing this one next is because we're going to spin this off into a new series next week that's going to continue on prayer. I felt like we should take our time with this with prayer. We've kind of done a drive-by. We've glanced on reading the Bible and and fasting, but there is so much scripture that we could go through that talks about prayer. And I'm nervous to spin this off because sometimes spinoffs don't go well, right? Have you seen some TV shows that spinoffs have been unsuccessful? We don't want to be like going from friends to Joey, right? Or a home improvement to to buddies or whatever the show is called. You don't even know what that's called because it didn't do well. We want to be more like uh, Cheers to Frasier or uh, Breaking Bad to Better Call Saul, something like that. If any of those references went over your head, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Uh, But we're going to try to do a good spinoff next week into prayer. But today the message is entitled, The Beginner's Guide to Prayer. The Beginner's Guide. We're going to start with the very basics of prayer. And we're going to start at where Jesus taught his disciples to pray with what's known as the Lord's Prayer. Jesus actually instructed his disciples in this prayer in two different times in the Bible. Did you know that? It's in Matthew 6. That's kind of the more well-known version. But it's also in Luke 11. And this is two different times. This is not the Bible showing us the same example in two different perspectives. No, this is two different times from what we can tell. And let's look at what Jesus is saying in Matthew 6. Let's start Matthew 6. Before he goes into the prayer, the Lord's Prayer, he's teaching on prayer and fasting and giving. Let's look at what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 5. He says, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, They have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, 
for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. So just as Jesus taught on giving and praying and fasting, he started with first what not to do. And all his instructions, they're all thematically the same between giving, fasting, and praying. He says, do these things not in the open so that people will see it. That's not to say that we can't pray in public, but it's not the reason that we do it. Jesus uses this word hypocrites here. And we've heard that word before. It's used all, a lot of times in the Bible, but this was new terminology for them because Jesus is talking about the Greek word that was used for an actor. It could be an actor that would use different masks to play different roles in a play. So what Jesus is saying is that prayer is not about our performance in front of people. It's not about doing this for the public. It's communication with God, and it belongs all the more in the secret place than it does in front of the public. And we are encouraged to secretly give, to secretly fast, secretly pray, so that it becomes less of people noticing what we're doing, and instead they're going to notice more about the person that we're becoming because we have a private prayer life with God. It's not them seeing us praying, it's saying, wow, there's something different about you. You're not the same person that you were. Yeah, I've developed a prayer life secretly with God. You know the thing about an iceberg? You only see a small fraction of what's actually built up below the surface. That's what it should be in our prayer life. That's what it should be in our worship life. If the only time that our worship leaders are worshiping is on stage, we're doing it wrong. There should be way more private worship that you don't even see that empowers them to be ready and equipped to lead you in worship. Same thing in our lives. Prayer in the secret place. And Jesus says, when you pray, go into the secret place, get away from everyone. And then he says, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. The Gentiles would attempt to pray to their false gods. And Jesus is speaking against that mechanical, mindless repetition. Prayer is not about chance and just regurgitating written prayers. We can do that. That's not a problem. But it's about it coming from your heart. Prayers from your heart. You see, I think it's important that Jesus spoke the Lord's Prayer in two different areas of Scripture. And if you look at them both, they're not exactly the same. They're not word for word the same. I think the reason that Jesus did that is to show us it's not about exactly, precisely saying every single word or reciting it perfectly. It's speaking from the heart to God. And so our first point this morning is that prayer starts from the heart. Starts from your heart, it, not your dictionary. Your vocabulary is your own. You don't need to borrow someone else's diction to communicate with God. Now, if you want to grow in your phrases and terminology, you want to listen to other people pray, there's nothing wrong with that. But if you feel like your prayer is inadequate or insufficient because it doesn't sound like someone else, 
I can promise you that that feeling, that guilt or shame or whatever you're feeling, that's not from God. And I was reading a book uh, to start this year called Praying Like Monks, Living Like Fools. And it's, it's written by a pastor in Portland, Oregon, who's the national director of the 24-7 prayer movement in the United States. His name is Tyler Staten or Staten. Uh, I'm going to reference his book a few times today and probably over the series to come. But I love what he says that we don't pray because we have fear of four different things. Four different reasons that we have fear and it prevents us from praying. He says, first of all, we don't pray because we fear being naive. We are afraid to be naive. Look at this quote. I think I have it on the screen for you. He says, to pray is to risk being naive, to risk believing, to risk playing the fool. To pray is to risk trusting someone who might let you down. To pray is to get our hopes up, and we've learned to avoid that, so we avoid prayer. Isn't that sad? We, we've learned that if we want our expectations met, we should keep our expectations really low, because otherwise we'll get disappointed when the things don't happen the way we want to. That's in no way that we should approach God. We're, we're afraid that we're being too naive about what God is to us. The second reason that we are afraid and we don't pray is that we, we fear silence. We are people that are addicted to noise. And prayer might feel awkward. It might feel disappointing. Honestly, sometimes it might feel boring. The second or the third one says, we don't pray for fear of selfish motives. We second guess our words that come out of our mouth. You know, we think, am I praying this because uh, is this a selfish reason? Is this fake compassion? Is this the wrong intentions? Let me just tell you, if that's something that you struggle with, and that's a, that's a very fair thing to struggle with, bring that before God in prayer. Say, God, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm praying for this. And I'm just struggling to know if this is a bad intention on me or if this is you. So please, that's why we pray, God, your will be done, not mine. We come in alignment with what he is asking for us. And then the last fear that Tyler talks about, something I want to focus on, is that we don't pray because we fear that we're doing it wrong. You know, we hear everyone else pray. You know, we hear that next person pray in line before us, and it feels like we're going up after, like, Winston Churchill, right? It's like, this doesn't seem fair. I feel inadequate. I haven't learned all the mechanics enough to attempt to pray right now. I'm still learning. But Tyler says, when it comes to prayer, God isn't grading essays. He's talking to children. God's not grading essays. He's talking to children. If you ask your child to pray to God, maybe before a meal, maybe before they go to bed at the end of the day, their prayer is probably all over the place, right? Probably not a perfectly well-crafted prayer, well-thought-out prayer, right? It's probably something like, God, I pray for my cat's sprinkles. I'm sorry that I tried to feed him 35 Tootsie Rolls. I pray that his stomach would feel better. God, I pray for my knee that is skinned today when I was trying to ride my bike. God, I pray 
that my parents wouldn't force me to eat broccoli or celery anymore, especially in my chicken noodle soup. That last one was something that I would pray. Sometimes I did not like celery in my chicken noodle soup. You know, a good parent would not go to their child and say, son, that was a terrible prayer. That didn't make any sense. Some of the things you said, I don't even think those were actual words that you said. No, a good parent says, great job, son. Thanks for communicating with God. Thanks for praying to God. God is not grading essays. So why do we feel like God or the people around us are critiquing our prayers when we would never critique someone else's prayers? We used to have a, a guys group, small group, that would meet at my house once a month on Saturday mornings. And uh, we would eat muffins, and we would swap stories. I would share a very short devotional. But my favorite part was at the end, we would go around in the circle, and each person would take a moment to, to share a high and a low from the week, and maybe one thing that they could use prayer for. And then each person would pray for the guy on their left as we closed. I wasn't going to sit there and pray for all 15 guys and what they were going through. No, each person needs to develop their own prayer conversation, communication with God. It cannot just be on the pastor or the parent in your life or the spiritual mentor. You, you have to develop your own prayer dialogue with the Lord and I would have sometimes a guy at the end of it come up to me and he's like hey is it okay what I prayed was I, I'm not used to that and I, yeah man that was great you prayed to God you asked for your friend's job to, to be better for for things to work out with his relationship with his co-workers that was great we get really insecure about it and so we become afraid that we're doing it wrong and we stop praying The reason that I'm at where I'm at from prayer, and I'm, I'm no prayer warrior. I want to get better at this. That's part of why I'm doing this series. Selfishly, it's for me. I don't care if it helps you or not. It's for me to help me out. Just kidding. Just kidding. Totally kidding. <laughs> but the area where I'm, why I'm where I'm at with prayer is because my parents forced me to pray over and over as a kid. I was one of those homeschool kids. Yeah, that was me. Okay? Yeah, that's right. It's great being homeschooled. There are pros and cons, like being socially awkward sometimes, but there are pros and cons. And um, my parents would make us, before we started our schoolwork in the morning, get all the boys together and say, hey, we're going to pray before we start the day. You're each going to take a turn. You're going to pray for one of, your one of the neighbor's family. Pick out a family. You're going to pray for them this morning. Hey, before, after that, you're going to pray for a different country of the world. Pick out one of the countries. You're praying for Sudan today. You're praying for Tanzania today. You're praying for South Korea today. Pray over that country. Hey, we got Christmas cards in the mail. You're going to take, each one of you is going to take a Christmas card, and you're going to pray for that family. And then we're going to get to schoolwork. All the time we were praying. It was somebody's different. Uh, everyone had a turn to pray for the meal. Hey, it's, it's, your, it's your day to pray for the meal. Pray for our dinner, son. We're leaving to go on vacation. I'm like, yeah, we're going on vacation. We're going to the beach. There was no vacation from prayer. We're backing out, of the, backing out of the garage. Hey, somebody needs to pray for our trip. Who's praying for our trip? Who's praying that the house is safe while we're gone, that we have a safe trip, that we have a good time? It was prayer all the time. You want to know how you learn to pray? Just pray. You just got to do it. It's like Nike. You just have to keep doing it and getting better. Don't worry about empty phrases or empty words. Pray from your heart. It's not a complicated solution. 
Elijah, how do you get better at basketball? You, you play basketball, right? That's how you get better at basketball. You play basketball. You play pickup games. You play your league games. You play more basketball. You want to get better at prayer? You pray more. Want to know how I know this? Look at Luke 11. Luke 11 is the other time where Jesus quotes the Lord's Prayer. And his disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. Look at the first four verses. It says, now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. You might notice that version of the Lord's Prayer, it's, it's slightly different than you've heard before, right? Probably familiar with that Matthew 6 version more so. But are all of the foundational points of that prayer the same as Matthew 6? Yes. Jesus was praying and his disciples, they're watching him. They're watching him pray and when he finishes, a disciple asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. And Jesus said, sure, I'll teach you how to pray. Watch, just say this, Father, hallowed be your name. Our second point today is that prayer starts with opening our mouth. It comes from our heart with opening up our mouth. Jesus did not say, yeah, you want to know how to pray? Here you go. You need to put your hands together like this. You need to bow your head slightly, maybe a little bit of anguish in your face, like just really going through it, you know, maybe constipated a little bit, just really struggling. If you want the best receptivity, the best reception, get down on your knees, and this is how you, no, that's not what he, ha what he did, right? He said, yeah, you want to learn how to pray? Here we go. Father, hallowed be your name. He just started praying. He opened up his mouth and began to pray. I love that song that we sing, um, from Champion, it says, when I open up my mouth, miracles start breaking out. I have the authority that Jesus has given me. It doesn't say, when I start thinking about God, when I think about praying, when I, I consider talking. No, when I do it, when I open up my mouth, we have the authority that God has given us. I do encourage you, in the right circumstances, when you're in, in an environment that's conducive to open up our mouth and pray out loud. Obviously, we see in Scripture that Jesus and, and people throughout the Bible opened up their mouth and prayed with how we have it recorded. There's just power when we open up our mouths and declare things to God and speak with authority. Or we plead with God. And it helps us to better articulate the prayer rather than just praying in our head. Now, there are obviously times throughout our days where an internal prayer is going to have to suffice, right? I'm not asking you to start talking to God out loud in prayer in the grocery store when you're waiting on the line, you know? God, give me patience while this person in front of me is taking forever. They have 35 different items. Don't do that, okay? 
I'm not asking you to talk out loud um, when someone asks you a question on a work call and you don't have the answer in the middle of the call. You say, God, give me wisdom because I don't know the answer to this. I'm not asking you to do that. An internal prayer could suffice in that moment. Say, God, please give me wisdom here. There may be a moment in front of your children where they've asked you when's dinner going to be ready for the 35th time. You may or may not want to say, God, give me self-control in this moment uh, so to not give myself to anger with these children. But there are times where we are free to pray out loud to God. There may be a time where we're alone, maybe at our, at our desk in our office or on our drive to and from work or we're in the shower because if you're a mom, maybe that's the only free time you have where the kids will leave you alone. But there are times where you can quietly but out loud pray to God. It, I found for me it helps me to articulate what I'm saying. If the, if the prayer is in my head, it's very easy for me to get distracted and begin thinking about other things when I'm trying to think about God. I don't know if that's you, but that's definitely for me. Maybe for you, you want to write down your prayer. That's a way for you to process it. That's a great way. It's a great way to, to articulate what you're trying to say to God. There's something about power when we open up our mouth and speak. You know, creation took place because God, he what? He spoke it. He spoke the world into existence. Imagine what you can do when you speak to the God who created the universe and when you pray on behalf of others who need help from God. And when you pray on behalf of this city or this nation or this world that desperately needs God, when we open up our mouth, there's power in our prayer. And prayer doesn't have to be intricate, right? It doesn't have to be a complicated uh, a lot of complicated words and phrases. It starts from the heart and opening up our mouth to declare the things of God. It can be something as simple as communicating to God how you're feeling. Just saying, God, I, I'm scared right now. God, I'm angry right now. I want you to know that God is not threatened by your emotion. First of all, he already knows what you're feeling before you said it. So there's no reason to hide it. Just ask King David in the Psalms. Have you read some of his prayers? He said things like, how long are you going to forget me, God? How long are you going to hide your face from me? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? These are the words that David said. God is big enough to handle our frustration. He's big enough to, to be able to walk us through, hopefully from anger to peace. Because if you read a lot of those psalms and you read the progression that David goes through, he goes from his anger, but prayer always changes our perspective. To remember at the end of the day, God, you're, you're still on the throne. You're in charge. You're with me. You've not left me. In fact, Jesus addressed the simplicity and the power of prayer in a parable. I want to show you a parable in Luke 18. I know we're going to get to the Lord's Prayer. We're going to get there, I promise. But let me show you this parable real fast in Luke 18, verse 10. It says, two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. And the Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, 
adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Jesus said the tax collector is the one who went down to his house justified. He went back to his house righteous, not because he had been living a perfect life, not that he was without sin, but what he had was humility. He gave a prayer of humility that was not about elevating himself like the Pharisee did. Did you catch how the Pharisee prayed? The Pharisee spoke more of himself than he spoke of God in his prayer. I think it's possible that we can pray and, and address our prayer to God, but actually be praying to ourselves because our focus is clearly more on ourselves than it is of God. The Pharisee said, I, five times in that prayer. Whereas the tax collector who came in and kept his distance, wouldn't even look up because of his shame and was aware that he was a, a sinner in need of a righteous God, it's, it's as if by his actions alone, he was saying, God, I don't belong here because of what I've done. And he hit his chest and he said in agony, he said, God, be merciful to me. I'm a sinner. And that short, humble, honest prayer addressed to God in desperation, knowing that he alone is the one that could save him and not on his own efforts, that prayer is what Jesus said would cause him to leave righteous and justified. What would happen if prayer became more focused on submitting to God and elevating God in our life? What would happen in our prayer life if it was less about lifting up our needs and more about lifting up God over our life? Now, I, I am not saying that we don't cast our cares to God, okay? Please, please don't misunderstand that. Many times in Scripture, it says, let our requests be made known to God. I make my requests known to God all the time, all the time. But I wonder if, if before I do that, I neglect the importance of the Lord's Prayer. You see, there's a part in the Lord's Prayer where it says, give us our daily bread, but what does it start with? I think there's a priority list to the Lord's Prayer. I think there's a reason that there's an order to the Lord's Prayer. Let me show you the first line of it from Matthew 6. 6, 9, it says, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. What is the first focus of the prayer that Jesus instructs? Not God, thank you that I'm not like those other struggling sinners like the Pharisee said. That Pharisee prayer that isolated himself from others. Whereas Jesus here, he didn't isolate himself from others. He brought everyone together 
in unity, saying, Our Father. Our last point as we close today is that prayer starts with focusing on who God is. Who God is to us. Prayer starts not focusing on who we are, but who God is to us. He is our Heavenly Father. And this seems like a really basic concept, right? Uh, We've heard this probably all our lives. That God is our Father. He's our spiritual Father. In fact, growing up, John and I went to the same church. And every Sunday morning when they were taking the offering, back then they took the offering, right, between the worship and the message, and the ushers would come forward, and the pastor would ask one of the ushers to pray over the offering. John's dad was one of those ushers that would pray over the offering. How did your dad start the prayer every single time? (laughs) Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father, every single time. It's burned into my memory. Heavenly Father. And he would go into the rest of his prayer. I heard it over and over again. We've heard this all our life that God is our heavenly prayer. But in that moment, this was a completely different concept. This was new information. God felt like a distant being. How could he be a a father to me? How could he be a heavenly father to me? This here was the introduction of God being represented as a fatherly figure. And I promise you, he is the perfect example of who a father is to us. Whether you've had a great relationship with your father or a terrible relationship or you've had no relationship, I promise you this is different with our Heavenly Father. And he starts by teaching his disciples to address God as our Father. It's social. He's saying, this is God, he's my Father, and this is God, and he's your Father. He is our Heavenly Father. The Pharisee only prayed, I, 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 all these, I did this, I gave this, I did all these things. Nothing about others, except how he's better than others. Prayer starts with focusing on God as our Father. And then it says, our Father, hallowed be your name. He is the Heavenly Father, and we are to hallow his name. It means we are to set his name apart. We're to give him the highest honor. I'm going to ask the worship team to come join me as we close here. So I want us to give us an opportunity to pray. I'm going to neglect the rest of my notes because I'd rather talk less about prayer and give you an opportunity to pray with me. Our first priority in prayer is to say, God, I am putting you in the highest priority. I'm giving you the highest praise. Let your prayer start with focusing on God. We're going to continue in this Lord's Prayer next week. I know we got through one line. There's a few more lines we're going to go through. But I wanted to plan out the end of this time to give you a chance to pray to God. We're going to sing as a worship team the song Forever and Amen. It's basically singing out the Lord's Prayer. And I invite you to sing along with us. And after that song, the worship team's going to continue to play. And I'm going to urge you, give you a chance, just for a few minutes, to pray to God. And if you don't know what to say to God, 
simply start by praying, God, you are my Father. Speak from your heart who God is to you. Maybe he's been your friend. Maybe he's been your refuge. Maybe he's been your defender. I want you to speak the words out loud. Even if it's just a whisper, maybe you've got a notepad, you want to write down the prayer, you want to type it into your phone, I don't care. But I think there's power when we articulate our prayer and we're starting today with praying and saying, God, who you are to me. The prayer that justified the tax collector was not a long, well thought out prayer that justified it. It was simply the recognition that I'm a sinner and I'm in need of a righteous God. This tax collector realized I need to recognize who God is to me. He's my Savior. He is the righteous one. Would you stand to your feet this morning as we close? We're going to sing this song together. I'm just going to ask you just to, after that song for a moment before we end to pray to God who he is to you. Thank you for listening to today's message. The Gathering is a place where you can belong to a church that loves you, believe in the God who is bigger than you, and become who God created you to be. For updates, service times, or ways to get involved, check out thegathering.online. And if you enjoyed listening today, consider rating it or sharing it with a friend. We love you. The best is yet to come.